0: I am here with Brando, Body by Brando. Um, both of us own gyms. Brando, you own multiple gyms, right?
1: Yeah, I've got the two now, so yeah, two.
0: Good. So we're really taking up this first issue of, you know, well, at some point in time, you and I both had to decide to make a gym, you know? Um, so since you own two gyms, um, we might as well start with you. What, what was your thought process? What what led to you making a gym? I, I really want to know that myself.
1: Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it didn't get easier the second one, let me tell you that. it um, It's a big decision to make, and that's obviously what we want to try and do today is help people decide whether it is going to be for them or not or whether they should stay at a commercial facility or in the park or, or what have you. So... Um, I mean, I decided pretty early on. I think it was just the—that's the only thing you thought of, wasn't it? Like the only progression you think of is going from PT and then having a facility. Yeah. The reason why I wanted a facility so bad was because I was out in the weather. So uh, I was—I started. I've worked, you know, at other gyms before, and then I started doing it on my own. And so I was working in the backyard, and we got like three weeks worth of rain nonstop, and you know, almost folded because of that. Because no one wanted to train at six a.m. and then, middle of winter wow. with uh pouring down rain and it was like torrential for a long while so we we're trying different areas and it was just sort of luck and asking the right people uh if they had any space and i had a mate who he gave me the shed that we now call the shred shed
0: at oh, nice. facility. <laughs> so um yeah just sort
1: of natural progression for that one
0: so so that was your first think, gym
1: yeah the first technical gym was like a, a probably a six by three meter shed it was like an old horse stable type setup. So, um,
0: but yeah, think, but prior to that, you said you were training people outside.
1: Yeah, I had this pretty cool setup in my backyard. I was lucky enough to have like a patio at the place I was renting, and so really, so really, there.
0: that was your first gym. Meaning you weren't working for somebody else; you were your own boss, working out of your house. Is that right? Or the place you were renting? Yep.
1: Yeah, correct. Yeah, so that's probably the first gym was my backyard. Yep.
0: Okay, so that was gym one and then strength shed was gym two? Yep. Okay. And yep. then and then how did it go from there? From there we there was a
1: gym inside. So the shed that I was in was um, I was subleasing off the guy who had the gym inside and he was running like a personal training studio with about five PTs. And at the time I was in the shed for about maybe two months and then he was looking to sell the business and the goodwill mm. and the equipment, mm. and he wanted to make an F forty
0: five. Oh, I see. so he was. Uh, he was asking you around, and we just came to an agreement
1: that I'll take over the shed and the inside gym for for a price, and we we agreed on that. And and now that's the Paddington gym. So we have the gym at Paddington, and the shed is still mine. That I lease out now to other PTs that wanted oh, nice. to do their own PT business. Yeah. So that's the way it went. Um, in regards to that like I, it was sort of not lucky in a sense but it just worked well because I could take over a gym that was existing so there wasn't any DAs to go through and all that sort of stuff uh, which made it a lot easier so the progression looking back is probably the progression I would recommend to most people is finding a space that they can work out of with low overheads yep. and just almost pu- getting pushed out of your current space because of necessity as opposed to wanting that you know, the big fancy gym and spending 100 grand on fit out and things like
0: that. Yeah, I would definitely tend to agree with you on that. Um, some of my best times were training people out of my garage. and Yeah. You know, out of my garage means there was no overhead. And yep. legally, I could only train up to four people at a time out of my garage. So, oh, really? Yeah, so we started getting a lot of buzz and getting really good results, and so... It got where we had to get something else. And I rented a place for 500 bucks a month, which we called The Dungeon. It's in the worst part of town. People are calling me like, "Um, I think I went to the wrong place. I'm like, nope, you're there. No, you're there. There was was literally a squat team outside one time. And we're like, well, we got to go work out. We don't know what's going on. But there was nights the electricity didn't work and we had to use lanterns. And we'd be in there squatting with lanterns, you know. No air conditioning, um, which in Florida is pretty insane, but you know what? We had a great time. The overhead was 500 bucks a month, which is for a couple thousand square feet, which is insane. Oh shit. And I would totally agree with you. Those were really profitable times. You know what I mean? Yeah. So for me, the jump from there was really a unique jump, which is that my parents happened to be in real estate. And so from their perspective, they saw that this was my dream. And they knew that. Oh. Oh, sorry. Someone called me. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and, and my guy will edit it. So you know what? Let me just make sure I'm on do not disturb as well. I think I am. I almost always am because yeah. I'm filming. Yeah, I'm I'm on do not disturb. It's okay. So there
1: we go. Sorry about that.
0: No worries. So So I did make the jump and then buy a place, which honestly was over my means, but it was when the market was pretty low. And so my parents knew from a real estate point of view, they were like, look, even if the gym, even if you change your mind and don't want to have a gym there, it's too good of a real estate opportunity. So sure enough. So, so I bought the building I'm in right now. I bought for $350,000 and it's paid off now and it's, it's valued at $840,000. Hey, nice. So that's that has nothing to do with being a trainer, and and believe it or not, it, I wasn't as happy because it put all this stress on me to make so much overhead. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I, I had to make so much overhead to pay the bills on this place, and now it's a much bigger place. So all the different, you know, not just the mortgage, but the electrical bills and all that stuff, and. it it really wasn't that fun from that perspective. And in a, in a place at my means, I could have been doing so much better. And of course I don't blame my parents for it now because it was a genius, it was a genius real estate move. But from the perspective of running a business, it actually put a lot of stress on me and on my wife because we always felt like we were doing so poorly financially. You know what I mean? Because we're trying to cover all these bills and then we did because we had more space. We had so many clients, but then that also meant like hiring more trainers. And we just grew too fast, honestly. So yeah. unless it's some really weird circumstance like that where my parents were basically like, look, if you fail, we'll bail you out and buy the building ourselves. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Unless it's a really weird circumstance. Uh, yeah, I would definitely. Y- you said it the best, right? Could you word that again? The, the way you said, you know. Grow to where you need to go bigger, not like not seeking that. You want to describe that more?
1: Yeah, you want to be pushed out, I think. I think you want to expand at the rate where you're getting almost pushed out of your current space. Like you're breaking up the themes. You don't want to be, you don't want to have 25 members and buy a space where you need 100 members to be profitable because, you know, you can't control, like, you know, the more you take on, the more responsibility you then. You've got so many overheads, like you said, the stress levels go up and you can't control whether you're gonna get seventy five members. Like right. you can obviously control what you do to get those members, but you know, that if there's a downturn, if there's anything that happens, people leave. People leave the country on the drop of a hat these days. Like yep. it's uh it's a constant battle. And like and you're exactly right, where the
0: best times were back in the the backyard and yeah. I had like 12 clients I was super profitable like yeah. I think I was paying 25 a week because the landlord caught wind
1: that I was uh-huh. doing it and I didn't actually have permission so he's like oh I want some money and we settled it on 25 a week which is <laughs> ridiculous if I could go back to $25 a week grand, <laughs> like I think between the two gyms now we're on I think it's close to 200k a year before we make a dollar yep. and then the overheads are ridiculous and then you know we've got 10 staff now and you constantly just feel like you forget something. <laughs> yep. And like you said, when you're in the dungeon, um, <laughs> yeah. the members didn't care back then. They didn't No, like, they loved it. The shed, like,
0: they missed the dungeon.
1: They, yeah, and me too. And like the members that came up, they knew what they were going to get. Now we've got these two, like, from what I see, like 100x better facilities. Yep. And now we'll get, you know, if there's a leaf on the floor, we get fucking picked on. Like, right. the members will be like, what's going on? What's like. We're paying this much money for a membership. Like, you used to pay that in the shed. Like yeah. when the lights didn't work, there wasn't even a fan. And now, yeah, yeah I don't know whether it's.
0: You know what? There's something to it that. Much and- there's something to that. It's almost like in those times, it's all about the training itself. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like. Yeah. I feel like there's something a little bit more spiritual about the training. Now, that doesn't mean we don't have to grow in our own ways to survive. And let's face it, I had an NFL player. You know, a million-dollar athlete come in, and he's like, "I'm not fucking working out here," and he left. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, could, I couldn't get him to—I couldn't get him to try a Nordic. He's like, "I'm not gonna risk tearing my hamstring on that." And so I could yeah, I, it comes with credibility. <laughs> yeah. So I, I couldn't get him to try my stuff because my place looked too sketchy. But but you know what? I feel like I had more diehard members then. And yeah. I feel like I had more diehard members. So so I do think now, you know, and, and as those members, the members who were with me then, I think were really able to enjoy and appreciate, you know, the new facility and stuff. So I'm not trying to discourage people from, I mean, there's downsides. Our sled at the dungeon, we used to have a rule that the sled must be attended at all times outside because numerous times someone would go inside to get weights. You come back out and it's stolen. Like guys on a truck... <laughs> I'm not kidding. Have taken your sled and they're gone, <sighs> and they're going to scrap it for metal. That's not <laughs> that's not safe, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, um,
1: there's definitely pros and cons. <laughs> yeah,
0: but I'll tell you what the overhead thing is very interesting, and yeah, I think yeah, I think you should be pushed out, not expand too fast, and that's what I did. What screwed it up is that I charged $150 a month, and it wasn't personal training. I was trying to model after CrossFit prices in America, which were about $150 a month. But I actually personally wrote the programs of all my members and stuff. So what I didn't account for is that then I hire another trainer. But and they're like, well, I'm not writing all these programs, you know what I mean? And doing it for. So the same numbers that worked out great for me. By the time I pay my trainer, I found myself always overworked having to I'm in here late nights and weekends writing programs for people that really my trainer should be. And by the time I pay my trainers, I'm not even making a dime off those additional clients. So I grew, I worked myself to death for literally no more money than when I was in the dungeon. I didn't scale properly. I grew too fast and I didn't understand the logistics and what I needed to do to train staff who could actually create the same profit. I was always profitable personally, but I actually, until the last couple of years, I never, I don't think I had a single staff member who made me profitable. I think every staff member I ever had made me less profitable.
1: Yeah. It's almost like you bring them on and you go stagnant across and then you're just trying to cover the cost yep. of oh, them. We've, we've had that problem. I mean, I think, you know, if you look at it from a graph perspective, you do sort of go up quite quickly. And then when you hire a trainer, you seem to go across. And it's not until you you find that, that leverage point where you then can use that trainer to make you more profit where you do start to see that gain again. Yep. But uh, I think a lot of people, myself included, sometimes would see that plateau as fear and like and you start to get fearful of it and you wouldn't ever break that period of latency and you wouldn't break it through that plateau. Yeah. Um, just because you can't control everything and like you said, you end up paying the trainers to cover you doing classes, and then you end up just doing more back end work anyway, so you're not working any less you're just yeah. not down doing classes exactly um which i mean is a is a good thing in itself because it gives you that freedom you don't have to do you don't have to be there if you want to go away, so you're not trapped but at the same time you're now working just as much for no extra money even though the, the, the revenue's gone up, yeah. Yeah. i that for sure.
0: Yeah. So, so I mean, it, it's cool. I think people have a good idea of, of both of us, you know, how we got started. So, both of us did start out training people at our own residences. Yeah. So, that's a good lesson to learn, you know. Probably don't just try to invest some big amount hoping that a gym will work out when you haven't actually built up clientele and word of mouth, you know what I mean, first. So, that's a good lesson for people and I mean we wanted to keep this short and sweet so that our guys can you know so everyone can listen to it and kind of see where we should go from here right so I think we've already given a good background I think a good way to recap it is just to look back would you change anything you know if you did it over again definitely no I'm not I wouldn't because even when I was going for a second facility I failed once before thinking that we would have
1: you know, get for a second facility and be able to fill it not to put anyone off of this but I wasn't there to implement the amount of growth that was there so I definitely wouldn't take on another facility unless it was already populated with people or even better just do it yourself so like build up a client base of 25 to 30 in a really small environment and then start to break up the seams and then force yourself
0: to go bigger so that's definitely the way I'd be doing it Nice, nice natural progression yeah. I mean, of course, in terms of regret wise, I wouldn't change anything in that regard. But but yeah, if I was starting over, what I would have done differently is for me personally, I would have created an online business to flank my in-person business. So I would have focused yeah. on the in-person business. <clears throat> you know, I would have rented a little warehouse, you know what I mean? Something like, like yeah. would have rented a little warehouse where where maybe the foot traffic, maybe the area has no foot traffic, it's in just a warehouse district, but I'd use the social media to promote the gym. You see what I mean? Rather than yeah. getting some expensive spot. So I would've gotten a low overhead spot, at least in a safe area. I would've had a very simple online program, something that's scalable, not like not customized programs. You know what I mean? Just like, yeah. okay, for me it would've been like, my knee program, you know what I mean? over half my online clients are simply doing my knee program. I have over 20 programs over half do one program. That's yeah, right. what they sign up for. Isn't that interesting? So,
1: yeah.
0: so if I could start over, find my niche, help people in person have one online program to flank that. And then in terms of growth, what I would have done is when hiring trainers, I would have made them accountable for their own actions. So I wouldn't have paid them a salary. I would have paid them a percentage of the classes or train or personal training that they do. That works great for me because now the trainer has ownership to some degree of the class that he's running or ownership of the people that he's personal training. And, and that's just yeah. what I found. I found the guys that that guys that were getting paid no matter how they did. Well, they didn't have as much care. And the guys who are getting paid based on how their class does. Well, they have care. They're going to call up that client. They're you know what I mean. They're going to go yeah. the extra mile. So I feel like that would have been the smoothest for me if I could go back and do it again. And even now, I actually love the in-person training. And even though I don't take a penny for in-person training, I am actually trying to rebuild my in-person training and have a lot of professional athletes this summer. And I won't charge them. I'll simply use them as an agreement to promote my online products since that's what happens to do really well for me. But the point is the same is that I, I think even if you are gonna be an online guy, I think if you lose touch with the in-person, I think something's missing there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So so I've been through these peaks and valleys of online or in gym or and, and I happen to have found my niche, which is online, but even still, just this week I realized, you know, I have so many athletes reaching out, you know what I mean? I cannot turn yeah, these man. guys away. If guys can afford to come here and they're that dedicated to train with me. By golly, I'm going to do it. And maybe I have to have assistance helping me. You know what I mean? But but so what? So this summer, you're going to see my gym is going to still be absolutely booming. Um, but yeah, if I could have started it over, I would have been able to get to the same point much faster, much easier, and much more profitably.
1: Yeah, sure. It's epic. Yeah, I think definitely having the combination of the two to drive each other. I mean, people like training together as much as online it's great like you've obviously nailed the online stuff i think so, um, it's going to be a comp- very competitive space so unless
0: you do find you know your own niche you're not really going to you shouldn't rely only on volume. that it'd be a yeah. disaster to rely only online plus you don't know yeah. what's coming instagram wasn't even here 10 years ago you know what i mean like you don't know yeah. that and then people start relying on the the ad money for it and then they change that algorithm so now you're getting you know half the views that you used to get yeah i, I just think i just think as a trainer, losing the in-person touch, you know, same reason that Real Movement, even though it's an online, they're going to keep doing events. You know what I mean? I, I think you have to keep that in-person touch, and there is also something. I mean, for me, the best part of running a gym is the camaraderie that was built, and and as you know, I mean, look at me and you. We've never we've never met each other, and we have a camaraderie, and Real Movement's able to provide that online. But there is something about you know being in the trenches in workouts together in person. You know what I mean? Yeah. hundred um, percent. So so for that reason, that's why I decided I thought I was gonna go only online. And in terms of what I charge people, yes, you know, I'm not gonna charge and I'm gonna keep it, you know, really elite dedicated athletes training with me, but but yeah, I mean there there's uh there's something very special about that. And and yeah and I, I would encourage anyone to want to open their own gym, honestly. But just do it right, you know. I, I think um, I don't know. My my experiences made me so much happier than I think I would have been if I only, um, you know, was just kind of like a one on one personal trainer, never never kind of uh, making my own crew, you know.
1: Yeah, and that's it. Yeah. Do you want to sort of step back into the one on one? Because when you're one on one, you know that when you go away, you you know you're stuck. To the gym because you yeah. never really want to take two or three weeks off because you know you're not going to get the money for it. Yep. So having the gym definitely um, does give you that freedom if you can get to the point where you can hire staff and it is much more fun having staff. It just comes with um, a lot more headaches to start with, but you start to learn through them and it becomes its own own new fun game that you can start to play. Like, yep. you know, you're now responsible for not only members but staff's livelihood and it. Yeah. It does it's like it's yeah new head of monster type thing. So
0: yeah. Yeah. So,
1: so I'm enjoying that. So yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that would look for that challenge after maybe five to 10 years of PT.
0: Yeah. I, I think it's a challenge to take on, but I think you and I both, you know, agree on one thing, which is that doing it right and grow slow. What, yeah. do, we, what do we have? What are our common denominators? We both started training people with no overhead other than your $25 yeah. fee. Yeah, that
1: was
0: good. And other than yeah. mine, the neighborhood wouldn't let us push the sled outside because it was too loud.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, We had noise complaints as well.
0: (laughs) But (laughs) But we both started with no overhead and financially we're, you know, being pushed out rather than expanding too fast, you know? Yeah. So well you know what? We'll see what yeah, what were you gonna say?
1: Save as much money as you can early on because it does set you up. Like obviously the low overheads helps that. You know, if you jump straight into you know, high overheads obviously not gonna have that free revenue to sort of play with and save. So You're going to be constantly chasing. You're never going to be able to get in front, and it's going to build that stress. Whereas, overheads, you build a bit of a cash pile. If something comes up, you know that you can support yourself six months if you don't happen to get the members. Yep. So, I definitely recommend recommend getting a big cash stockpile if you can.
0: Yep. I I agree with that. I agree with that 110%. So, appreciate having you. You know, we're uh, totally different times of the day over here, but still making it work. And, uh, and and guys who are listening uh you know hope you enjoy this and definitely let let me know you know what kind of stuff you want to hear about or any questions brandon uh brando got any last words for the guys
1: Nah, no, same thing yeah let me know how we can help um yeah so we can point everyone in the right direction
0: awesome love it all right bro
1: thanks brother